You're listening to a Blue Pim podcast. The publishing industry is changing fast. Some people are keeping up, and some people are blazing the trail. I'm Victoria, author, editor, and the owner of Blue Pin Editing and Book Design. And this is Modern Publishing. On this show, I interview the people who are defining the future of the writing and publishing industry to help you strengthen your craft, your business, and your confidence. Changes are coming. The question is, will you read about them or will you write them? Welcome to Modern Publishing. I'm Victoria, author, editor, and the owner of Blue Pin. And today I'm on with Tanya E. Williams. Tanya is the author of five historical fiction novels, including Becoming Mrs. Smith and her latest, Welcome to the Hamilton. I have been her editor on those novels, and we always have a great time. Um, she's a fantastic author, and there's a lot that I admire about the way that she runs her business and approaches publishing. So I'm really excited for our conversation today. Her work is defies the idea that women have been less important to history than men. She depicts women who were strong, resilient, and crucial to the success of the world. And to kick it off today, I kind of want to start there. So Tanya, if you could, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, um, anything you want to share, and then talk to us some about how your work highlights women's contributions to history. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure to get together and, and chat with you. It's uh, time flies, <laughs> always. <laughs> um, so I write uh, historical women's fiction. Um, I like a timeline set in the past. I think it gives us a little bit of distance from our present day. And so it's easier to look back um, at difficult, challenging times with a little bit of space. But one of the things that has always stuck out to me is how women through history were sort of viewed, I think it's changing as we go forward, but they were sort of viewed as um, not being strong or not doing amazing things. And March was Women's History Month. And this is the first year where I have seen a plethora of highlighting of women throughout history. And it's been really exciting. I mean, I just read the other day that um, central heating, we have a woman to thank for the initiation of central heating. And I was like, well, good on you. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if a woman invented the indoor plumbing too. So <laughs> because <laughs> we like to be warm and comfortable. <laughs> I so that sounds right. As I'm right. sitting here sipping my tea, that sounds. <laughs> we're pretty, and I think we're ingenious. And the interesting thing is, is that we have for so long been used to making a difference in the world without pay or at a lower scale of pay and without recognition. And um, my son recently came home with a um, magnet for me, and it had the quote from Virginia Woolf that said. Uh, throughout most of history, Anonymous was a woman. And that just resonated with me. And I think that even though a lot of my characters are regular everyday people, they're not well known, they weren't prime ministers, they weren't royalty, 
but they had to be strong in order to live the life that they had. And I think that's true of all of us in every walk of life, male, female, binary, non-binary, doesn't matter. We're, humankind has struggles and we should all be recognized for where we are at with a process on any given moment. And I think writing stories and reading stories that allow you to see somebody else overcoming a struggle gives you um, permission to also step into your own and do hard things. We can do hard things. That's one of the most, one of the most wonderful things about your writing, I think is, you know, even though you're writing about these very different times, um, it's always relatable. It's always, you know, there, there are always parallels between the past and the present. There are. That's actually what intrigues me the most is that Mm -hmm. um, throughout history, like technology changes and innovations change, but our core wants and desires um, and needs don't really change that much. (laughs) So we're all, we're still trying to get to the same places in our lifetime, no matter if you were living in the 1700s or 2023, just seems to be the same kind of issues. There was, um, I don't, there was a line in that movie, eat, love, pray, um, or eat, pray, love. Sorry. I said that wrong. Eat, pray, love. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote that. And, uh, they were talking about, a woman who was a counselor and she had to, she was about to counsel refugees and she was very anxious about it. And when she got to the refugee center and she sat down with these women who had just been through like absolute horrible situations, what they wanted to talk about was their love life and how, you know, this friend is now seeing the boy that she was seeing and how, what can she do about that? And these women had just been traumatized by world events and war and, and famine and all these things. And they wanted to talk about their love life. And I thought that was really poignant and pretty basic. And it's, it just brings us down to that. We're human. We, and that's our similarity across the board. We're all human. You know, it's easy to, it's easy to forget sometimes. It's easy. I feel like we, we spend a lot of time talking about our differences, which are you know, important and shouldn't be neglected. But especially as writers, we are always trying to hit at those relatable base emotions. Yeah. Um, even, even if the reader hasn't experienced the specific thing that you're writing about, you need to strike a chord with them so that they can feel that empathy with your character. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's a, it's my favorite comment ever when readers go, I felt like I was right there with them. And I'm like, yes, excellent. Then, then I did my job because as hard as it is to be in some of the situations I put my characters in, it's, it's a safe distance to read those situations. <laughs> you don't have to be immersed in it in order to appreciate and have empathy for somebody going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that that kind of brings us to a, an interesting question. Uh, you know, what are what is something that you've been through that um, either a struggle that you overcame, maybe a, a failure that kind of put you on a, a path toward achieving, you know, the things that you've achieved here? Well, first of all, probably I don't, I'm a very positive person. So <laughs> failure isn't really failure <laughs> to me. Failure is an opportunity to learn something new. <laughs> so it's a, it's a path to success and success is, is def- find by each individual. So my version of success may be different than yours. And so it's, it's an interesting um, way to frame it. But and there are some situations, challenging situations that we're like, okay, what's the lesson? I want to learn it and I want to get out of it as quickly as I can. (laughs) But there are also situations where every stepping stone that has a challenge means you've grown. And so I think if you're open to pushing your boundaries and pushing your limits of what you deem you're capable of, you'll continue to grow and you will continue to bump up against those borders that could go either way. But you always learn something, no matter what. You're, you're always going to learn something along the way. So I don't really consider them failures. Um, but I, I think that it challenges for sure. There's been a lot of challenges, but I think the biggest one, and I don't know if this is, uh, I don't, I don't believe it's just for women. I think it's probably more age related than anything. Uh, in the beginning, I've like, I've always written, I wrote stories. I told, I remember telling my first story, um, when I was five years old to kneel beside an alfalfa field talking to the crickets and, <laughs> and I would, I was only allowed to creep along the field so far before my mom would rap on the window to say like, come back. Uh, my family, my sister, and my mom had, um, very, very horrible seasonal allergies. So I was the only one they could go outside and play <laughs> in the, um, in the springtime. And so I was crouching along and, and, um, I was telling this story to the crickets and, I was telling a story about the crickets, so I'm not really sure that it resonated much with them, but <laughs> but I've always told stories. I've always loved hearing stories. Um, so I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote in my head. And as a teenager, I wrote bad poetry. And as, you know, a young mom, I started writing um, a novel. And I went to a workshop a writing workshop where I got a one-on-one critique with um, a local author and she was super super excited and she loved what I wrote and she's like okay you need to understand like this is this is so good you like you need to keep writing and that was great for about two weeks and then I went "Ooh, wait a minute if I show people what I've written they can judge me for what I've written and fear set in and fear stayed with me. And I took a very long 17 year detour. I stopped writing on an actual form, continued to tell myself stories um, while I pursued other things. And it took, you know, life changing events to pull me back 
to what I was supposed to be doing, which was writing stories. But by that time, I was, you know, in my 40s, had a little more wear and tear on me and a little more experience and a little less, "Mm, I'm not really going to be everybody's cup of tea, and I'm okay with that. And so I think the biggest challenge was 17 years of letting fear hold me back. And eventually, you just push through it, and it's hard, and it's nerve-wracking. And at the end of the day, though, you're a stronger person, and belief in yourself is the number one thing that you could ever give yourself. Um, I once uh, did a social post recently. It was so good. I saw it. I borrowed it from somebody else. Uh, And it was, nobody else needs to understand your calling. It wasn't a conference call. (laughs) And that was like... I love that. (laughs) And that was the epitome of it for me. For me, I was like, you're right. I'm responsible for this. So that was long-winded, so... (laughs) No, that that is so I, – I don't think there is a writer alive who hasn't felt that in one way or another. You know, it's not the same for everybody. Um, for some people, it's, it's fear of rejection, and some people it's you know, just imposter syndrome. But everyone at some point has felt afraid of either sharing their writing or – God, I I think sometimes just creating just that process of taking something that in in your head, sometimes it can seem so perfect. And just this, (laughs) this, this idea, this story that hasn't yet been tarnished by actually trying to put words to it. Um, I completely get that. (laughs) It's perfect in my head. Let it just stay there. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's scary, and yeah. it's like you said, it's something. You, it takes practice to to yeah. get past that. It does like, daily. Is there anything? Is there anything that you intentionally do to help kind of keep that fear at bay? I. I think I'm aware of it. And um, in my, the way I frame it is there's going to be fear in life. And fear is a, absolutely welcome to join us and come along for the ride. But fear is not allowed to have the car keys. So it cannot make those decisions. It can have input. It can backseat drive all at once but it will never ever have the steering wheel and control of my life again. Not in that way. I love that. I love that. I, I, I think it really is when you do try to push it down and pretend like it's not there, it makes it worse. It comes back bigger. It grows yeah. in the dark. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Hashtag fear grows in the dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> it totally oh does. <laughs> yeah, you you shine a light on it and say, you know, I see you, but you're not in control. That's it. Exactly. What's the next step in your writing career? Chart a new path with a team of industry experts. Visit bluepinbooks.com. Throughout the course of your career, um, you've 
published five novels now, correct? That's right. Um, uh, yeah, five novels. Yeah. How, I mean, I should know I've edited <laughs> all of them. Of should, should be able to remember. <laughs> I still but, have to count um, them on my fingers. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, how have your personal goals changed throughout your career? Have they stayed the same or have they adjusted? That's a good question. Um, I think that having grown up in an industry where really, or in a world that where there really only was traditional publishing, that was the only route. I think that I started out with a bit of that dream of being traditionally published, but I am also fairly, my friend likes to say type B plus, <laughs> but really it's probably I'm a little type A. Um, so um, I like to know the ins and the outs of things and how it actually works. My dad has always taught me that if you want to learn how to how things work in a business or an industry, they get in at the bottom level and learn the whole thing. So my goals have shifted because I, I'm not saying that I would never say yes to a traditional publishing deal um, and become a hybrid author, author. Um, but I do like independently publishing because I get to see the whole process and I have a little bit more control. Well, the, I have a little bit more of an illusion of control um, for <laughs> my own process, my own books. It, it comes with a – it's a double-edged sword because it comes with a lot of um, hats you have to put on in order to run the business. But it also has – like successes are, are, are big and they're big for a community of people that I take – into my fold for the process because it's not just mine. That's actually the number one thing that I love about um, working with you as an editor is that I work in solitude, I work in solitude, and then I share it with you and all of a sudden it has a life and it has somebody else who's got the stories back and it helps me with blind spots because you, you will always have them as you, <laughs> you write. Um, and so it's, so I think my goals have shifted and knowing, I think if you connect with the right people to get a good quality is very important to me. So a quality novel that people can get lost in escape with, learn from, feel, all those things, that is now my goal with each book. It's, it's now my goal. And you don't do that by yourself. Yeah. That is one of the most challenging things I think from going from writing to publishing, um, besides the shift from, from looking at your work as strictly art and storytelling and then shifting to the business Marketing. and Hey, you're now trying to sell this. Yeah. Um, one of the most difficult things and, and this is true for indie and traditional authors. Um, so everyone has context here for our conversation. Um, Tanya has published exclusively independently. I'm going the traditional route. So, you know, between the two of us, we see both sides here. And it, in, in both cases, it's hard yeah. to take that jump and say, all right, 
this is now a group effort. Yeah. To for me, it's handing it over to my agent and 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 letting her in yes. <laughs> and not feeling the need to squirrel it away until it's yeah. perfect. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. That's so true. So true. It's yeah. it's it's really funny that you say that because I'm for the first time ever <laughs> I'm actually about to give a story to my betas before you get it for the reread and the line edit. And I'm like, wow, I like to send them a cleaner copy. I like to have Victoria stamp on it before it gets to see the light of day anywhere. <laughs> so that's a, a leap for me this time around. But for timeline wise, it makes more sense to have betas read it and offer feedback and go from there before I give it to you. But again, it's, that desire to keep it hidden is very strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, on the, the last book, we did something different. Um, yeah. Instead of a, a typical developmental edit and then going into line edits, um, Tanya sent me a deep outline. And we did the developmental on the outline and that so that she was able to revise it before going into drafting. Um, and that was fantastic. And I have actually adopted that for my own work now. Oh, excellent. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's, it's not, I would say that I still wouldn't recommend it for first time mm -hmm. authors. I think you really do have to have some strong awareness more than anything. Yeah. Um, and to be able to implementing on implementing that sort of feedback on an outline is very different from implementing it on a fully formed manuscript. It is. I actually prefer it myself. I, I'm like, if I don't have to move whole chapters around, <laughs> I'm so much happier. <laughs> if I can move, you know, like we're talking paragraphs around, I, that's so much easier for me. And it, it makes sense, but I think because I'm such I'm such a plotter, like I'm a, I'm a plotter until all of a sudden the characters take over and all of a sudden it's their story and and I go oh wow that was really really clever of you, <laughs> Mr. Character, <laughs> and um, but I think I I always am writing to a lighthouse so I know what I want that last scene to look like. So whatever it takes to make the story work so that that last scene is there, that's where I think that's why the, the outline developmental works so well for me. And because you know where I'm coming from, you know things that aren't on the page. That's, this is the most amazing thing to me, that you know where my brain wanted to go and didn't. And it's, that's a huge talent. So... <laughs> If you're ever looking for a good a way to know that your your author editor relationship is working, <laughs> the number of times that I have and what's funny too are these are suggestions that I 
do over. I, I think about them <laughs> because it's never something simple. It wouldn't be, or else you would have implemented it already. Yeah, exactly. It's always something just. <laughs> It's always just something a little bit weird. And I'll come to her and say, so hear me out on this. I think you need to think about going this direction. And the number of times the response has been, well, I was going to do that, but I didn't for it was reason gonna be hard. <laughs> That's why I didn't. And hard can mean like emotionally hard, like emotionally challenging. It's going to hurt. I'm going to cry a lot while I write this scene or hard in that I'm not comfortable writing third person or mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a big one. That one took me a little while to, to really um, work through, but it's, but that's where the, when two people come together as writer and editor, and the goal is solely for the story's best interest. That's the winning combination. Because it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's all about the story. And what is best for the story. And I think that should trump everything. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it involves a glass of have... wine <laughs> before I dive in again. <laughs> but... <laughs> With that said, I will give the caveat that if you have an editor who is trying to impose their vision of the story, that's not what you want either. It's the story, but it is, you know, in our case here, it is your story. So, you know, I want to do what's best for, for the book, but it's not, it's not how I would write it. Oh, exactly. You know? It's what did you want this story to be? What is this story's purpose? Um, you know, you, you gave it life. You, (laughs) you know what its role in the world is meant to be. And I'm here to make sure it fulfills that purpose. I think that takes a significant amount of, um, self-reflection on your part to know where a story is going from another person's perspective. I don't think that's innate uh, for a lot of people. So I think that that is one of the reasons why you are such a fantastic editor is because of that, because you can put that story first in that way. It's pretty cool. It's definitely a learned skill. It takes a lot of, a lot of practice too. And a lot of, you know, you, you have to work at it. It's not something that's just going to happen no matter how many books you edit if you're not intentionally putting that author's vision first. And it's in. a muscle that gets mm-hmm. tested in a different way with ev- not just every author, but every story. Because the same author can write very different books, as we've seen. <laughs> the Smith family is something very different than Welcome to the Hamilton. They're very different. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and I think that's natural for an author to try and find their groove in how they write and how their voices Mm -hmm. comes across. And you know, some authors write um, completely different genres, completely, um, you know, some authors have multiple styles, multiple voices and, 
that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. Harder to market, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the benefits of self-publishing as well. If you, if you are someone who falls in that category, um, it can be easier to, well, maybe not easier, but you can get it done. (laughs) Yeah. You can have a pen name and you could, you know, write in another genre. It just comes with a little bit of extra baggage in terms of like, you need also another newsletter um, system funnel. You need another website, perhaps like two newsletters. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. I'm a little averse to that. I'll just stay in my lane. Uh, I mean, you know, this kind of moves us into into our conversation here about the industry and the way it's changing. Yeah. Um, where where do you see it going? Do you have any ideas where Where is the publishing industry going to be in ten years? I think it's i I think it's still going to be intact, and it's changing daily. Like it literally is changing daily, but you know what? It always has been. And I think that it changes faster when we have the technology that allows it to change faster. Um, But I think that independently published authors are still going to be around. I think there might be more of them. I think that traditional publishing will still be around and I think it will find its footing. I think it is struggled a little bit. Um, COVID and the pandemic was not good for anybody <laughs> in that regard. It, it really hurt creativity, but it also hurt um, businesses that support that creative process. So I think that that's a challenge as well, but I think that we're I still think we're on a really good path. I mean, we've been telling human nature. We've been telling stories since before we could communicate. We were drawn on cave walls, telling stories about the tiger that just about got us. And, you know, it's, that's part of who we are as a society. And I don't think that'll change. It may, I mean, now we have audio, which is fantastic. I love audiobooks. Um, you know, ebooks are a thing for a certain demographic of people. And there's lots of people who still love to, the feel of a paperback book. But there's multiple other options out there. And, you know, you add in AI, which is a whole other thing in itself. And we'll see where that goes. Crazy ball game. <laughs> it really is. And I think that. There's, a, there's definitely advantages for people who jump on things early, but I also think there's advantages for those that hang back and wait and see what happens. And overall, I think if you find what resonates for yourself and you find your group of readers who it also resonates with, publishing and books are, are going to be out there for, I would say, forever. I mean, when you look at it in the basis terms, I mean, like you're saying there, storytelling is, it's human nature yeah. and the, the mode of delivery changes, yeah. but there's, there's no way to, to go without it. 
Um, and you know, we have other, other options now, even as far as television and movies and, um, everything, but it's not the same. It's not the same as having a, a, a written story that you have to complete. Yes. You know, if you're watching a, a TV show or a movie, it's passive. You're yeah. just, you're yeah, getting fed absolutely. the information. But when you're actively completing a story, you're putting a part of yourself in there with it. And yes. that's what makes it so special. You know, and that's, it's actually one of the things that is the most challenging aspects of being an author and the most rewarding aspects of being an author. When you write a book and you release it to the world, that book is a different book to every single reader who reads it because they brought with them their own life experiences and their own view of the world. And so they're reading your book, which is no longer yours, (laughs) um, to the colored and tones and everything like that that their life has brought them. And that's a challenge because you want to make sure you're um, showing your book to people who it resonates with. And sometimes you strike a nerve um, with somebody who wasn't in a place to receive it or accept it or understand it. But it also is this opportunity of such great, deep connection with another human who just gets it and can appreciate it. And it's that's magic. That's pure magic. Readers are really special people. (laughs) Yes. You know, as much as the industry changes, it it is nice to remember that that doesn't change that connection between the author and the reader, no matter how it's delivered, no matter what the process was to get it from a draft on your computer to an actual book that they can either hold or flip through or listen to. That final connection does not change. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's why I think we're in good shape. I don't think we have to worry about the publishing industry. (laughs) You know, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like it's changing so fast. Um, but you know, I love that folks like you aren't just just throwing up their hands and saying, you know, it's yeah. it's changing too fast. I guess there's, you know, I, I can't handle it. I can't. Um, or, or just the other, the thing that a lot of folks do, I think, is just trying that, those same methods mm-hmm. and they're not working and they're not working. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have that resilience in the industry for yeah. sure. Um but you also have to be willing to adapt and understand that, yeah, you might have to go a different direction to get to where you want to be. If you're not there yet after walking and walking, then maybe point the compass a different way. (laughs) Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I, my only caution with that is, um, There's a lot of platforms out there trying to sell authors, independent authors, on the next best way to do X, Y, Z. 
And I think it's just really important for each individual to be very clear about what their goals are. What do they think success is for them? And be comfortable with how they're going to approach that path. And because doing all the things is just going to cost you a lot of money and make you tired. So (laughs) be specific (laughs) about what things you would like to do. And, you know, it's, and not everything was meant to be done all at at once either. Sometimes you've got to get, you could put your butt in the chair and write and see what happens. And then as you grow from that experience, then other things coming in that could help you, could elevate you, can be taken in bite-sized portions instead of a fire hose. It's, it feels like a fire hose sometimes. And, and you don't need to do all the things. You need to do what's right for you, what's working for you, what fits with your family and your day, day to life. I always like to break things down very simplistically into what do you want your day-to-day life to look like? How do you want to spend your time? Because it's all those moments compile that make up your life and you get to choose so I would just choose wisely (laughs) that is so important and it's it is so easy I think now um especially now I should say to get caught up in the trappings with there there are just so many avenues and so many just Things, things and stuff being broadcast and just shot at you from all directions 24 seven. And to be able to filter that out is a skill in itself. Um, It is. It is. It's, I have, I think personally, I have um, a, a meditation practice to thank for that. Um, I've been meditating for more than 30 years and even when my mind is all chattery while I'm meditating and when I'm thinking it's supposed to be quiet, um, (laughs) if it's chattery, that's when I actually really need to pay attention because then it's like, wait, what am I trying to tell myself here? What is actually Mm -hmm. bothering me? What needs for me to take a step? What needs for me to address or think about or ask somebody else? about um so it's finding moments even if it's a minute just finding moments to be present and quiet and go within so that you know what your internal compass is and then you can it's so much easier to go out into the world when you know who you are and um what you're working towards yes I know when, whenever we're working with folks at Blue Pin, you know, the first thing that we have to do when someone comes to us and says, I have a book, I have a manuscript, <laughs> um, and first time authors, if you're not immersed in the industry all day, every day, you're not going to know what the heck is yeah. going on. And so the first thing we have to do is sit down and say, all right, so there's a, something called self-publishing and there's something called traditional publishing. Let's talk about it. Um, and understanding those options is the first step. Um, because neither one is, is better. No. And anyone who's no. 
telling you that there is one correct path to publication is lying. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) There are pros and cons and you have to figure out what's right for you and your work and your goals. And like you said, what do you want to be doing every day? What does your life look like? Absolutely. And some people aren't interested in self-publishing and learning how to format their books and, you know, learning how to market their books or (laughs) anything like that. And that's okay. That is perfectly okay. I think uh, traditional publishing has changed a little bit in that the onus is on authors a little bit more nowadays, just because it's expensive to run a marketing department at a publishing company. Mm -hmm. And so, and I also think that there, there's something to be said about an author having belief in their own product. And so I, I don't think that's a, a misstep by traditional publishing. I think it's a really good opportunity for them to use the author and their platform as a, here's my book. This is what I've done. Because that needs to be celebrated as well. They've still gone through the hoops. They've still sat in the chair. They, you know, they've still gone through edits. They've still had to wait months and months in order to release it. They had to sometimes get input on the cover, sometimes get the input on their bio, all of those things. There's not one path that's easier than the other. They're just a little bit different. Yeah. And both are yeah. worth doing. If, if it's going to be right for you, yeah. um, if you're thinking about, and yeah, I don't typically see, this with traditional publishing, I feel like most people who are pursuing traditional publishing have pretty much know that that's what they want for yes. whatever reason. Um, but with self-publishing, a lot of folks think, I'll just publish it myself because it's free and it's easy and I'll just throw it up there and yay, I'll have a published book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. You will have a published book. <laughs> But it's not I mean, free and it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. And if there was a challenge in the industry in that regard, it would be um, absolutely anybody can write a book. I firmly believe you. anybody can tell a story. But I also firmly believe that everybody needs to be edited. <laughs> because we... Yep don't see our own limitations. Um, The amount of times that I've read a draft and gone, but I thought that word was in there. It's in my head. I know it's supposed to be in there, but it's not in the sentence on the page. So clearly I did not actually type that word. That alone, you need other eyes. You need, and and not mom, because mom's always going to cheer you on. And well, at least we hope mom's always going to cheer you on and and say you're wonderful. Um, But you, and you want that too. But you also want a third party who's going to be completely honest. I mean, I can say as a professional editor, editing my own work is not the same. You know, you still need skills. You still need to that self editing is an important skill, sure. and no one's saying that you yeah. should skip that. No. Uh, be very clear there. Please don't skip <laughs> that. Skip self editing. Um, <laughs> Read your manuscript again at least. <laughs> yes, from beginning to end within a couple of days. <laughs> your editor will thank you. Um, <laughs> but it it's not the same. You 
you're just too close to it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's hard to kill your darlings when you really loved a sentence or you really loved a scene, even though it doesn't fit, even though it doesn't go, it doesn't work for the character. It's difficult to cut them out of it. So it's, I, for me, I think it really has worked to frame it as once I release it to anybody other than myself, it's really, it's a, it's an entity all its own that I can yes. now go back to with a different perspective. I don't have an emo- as much of an emotional attachment to it as I did before, which is interesting yes. because it's kind of uh, two-sided there where you want to be emotionally invested. But what I really want to be is emotionally invested while I'm writing those first words, that first draft, even probably all the way up until the third or fourth draft. I want to be emotionally invested and I want, because that I want to feel what the characters are feeling so that the reader will. But after that, I want you to actually be able to read the sentence and understand what I was trying to say. So there's that. And, you know, I know, I know we've all heard the quote, um, you know, write drunk, yes. edit sober. And you, know, you can take that literally if you want. Um, I'm from East Tennessee. so Anything goes. You know, take that as you will. But moonshine and all. But, Oh yeah, look, you gotta find someone in the woods. He's probably got a beard down to his belly button and get you some of that, get you some of that good stuff. Um, but, but I, I like to think of that as well as, you know, write, write with that passion. Yeah. Write drunk on your words, yeah. right? Drunk on your story. Let yourself get lost in it and swept up in it. Yep. And then for me, I like to, all right, finish the draft, wrote that last word. I'm going to close it up and not look at it for a while, depending on, you know, it's different for every story. But mm-hmm. for me, it's usually a month. Wow. It's usually a good time frame. I'll, I'll just, and I usually start working on something, something else. else during this time. <laughs> Get my mind off totally. it. But yeah, don't touch it for a little bit. Get some distance and then come back to it and be clear headed, mm-hmm. be objective, be like you said, you, you have to kind of disassociate from it yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, if you're still, feeling like it's part of you then it makes those next steps just oh yeah and you'll avoid doing them that's the thing yeah we 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 like to avoid pain so we're good at it (laughs) we're really good at it the and the other thing is too is that it's it's helpful to get your story in a different format whether that is putting it on your e-reader or your your ipad or your tablet Mm -hmm. or something like that or actually printing it out um I'm sure my husband cringes every time I print out a manuscript. Um, However, (laughs) I am a paper person (laughs) and I do double side it. So (laughs) I use the most space. We love trees. We love trees. Promise. I love trees. I live in a natural rainforest near Vancouver, Canada. So we have trees everywhere. I love them. But I also love to hold them <laughs> as I, and I can move sections and I write in the, the columns and I make all my notes for that edit. And it's, it's interesting that you say that you give it a month. And I've heard that advice so many times to let your manuscript rest. 
and I seldom do. And I think the reason I seldom do, and you're probably going to laugh at me for this, but (laughs) by the time I get to the end, I can't remember at all what happened in the beginning. (laughs) So I, you know, that's fair. (laughs) I need to take that ending that I've got in fresh in my mind and reread from the beginning, like within a matter of days so that I can actually tie up all those loose ends. Otherwise they'll never get tied up because I won't remember them. See, and I love this is part of developing that awareness as a writer of what works for you. What is your, what, but the the trick is that you have to be honest about it. You know, you can't say that, um, I don't edit because that's what works for me. Um, so you have to have some awareness Mm -hmm. about it and be, be, truthful with yourself, have a little heart to heart with yourself. But once you nail down what works for you and, and, and admit that that's always changing as well. Oh gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. If this book that I'm currently working on wasn't testament to that, (laughs) it's always changing. (laughs) It's, you know, what's interesting too, is that I've, what I've realized, um, with writing just this, this next one is the beginning half, I think at least (laughs) this is my, my distance perspective of it because I don't remember the words that are in it, but I think is really clean in terms of concision and things like that. Whereas the second half is really rich and deep in story. And probably needs some work in in the cleaning up stage. So it's, and I think that's how I write. And so by going back to it again, I'll be able to pull those things together into one actual manuscript, hopefully, which will be on your desk soon. So (laughs) I promise. Clear off a space right over here. It's gotten so much better now. So. And that's only in the last, you know, few weeks because I'm almost at the end. So, yeah. Hey, that's what you, you know, as long as you're moving forward, yeah. that's, man, writers can be so hard on ourselves and yes. feel like we're not where we're supposed to be and it's not going fast enough because it never does. let's be honest, <laughs> nothing in this industry ever goes fast enough. No. Right? It doesn't. <laughs> we love it, but... It's, it has its own pace. It really does. It's like island time. It's like <laughs> the publishing industry is on island time and we all get sucked into that vortex of we think we can have it done in this amount of space and time. And then you go three months later, you go, where did that deadline whoosh past me? Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, crazy. yeah. You know, you just kind of turn that calendar page and... Make a new little X. Tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to try again. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of throw around this term modern publishing industry. And as we've talked about, that's a pretty, uh, it, it's not only changing, but it's yeah. also just varied yes. in general. It's not one thing anymore. Like maybe it was in, in, times gone by to you what is the modern publishing industry 
To me, it has a very entrepreneurial spirit behind it. It has a the vibe of it's kind of twofold in that it has the vibe of people stepping into their voices worldwide. And I love that because there's so many stories that we need to hear from different perspectives and different voices. I think that's how we narrow the gap between pointing out our differences and um, really recognizing our similarities. So I love that. And I think that requires a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in order to do that because there's a lot of barriers that have to be um, pushed, broken down. <laughs> However, we're, depending on where, what, where you're standing, <laughs> it's going to be different for different people. Um, but I think that those kind of barriers are going to come down through the written word because we're going to be able to step into other people's experience through the gift of a book and a story. So there's that part that I think that is just, I think that's really beautiful that that's coming out. And it's, there is a space and a place for all of it. And I think it, it does, it's not about a competition. It's not about exclusion. It's, it's kind of that adage of, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And it's, I think it's really fun to see other people become empowered through telling their story. And then that ripple effect of having other people be inspired because they read it. It's just, that's a win-win all around. <laughs> I love that. That was very well said. Um, I, I just love that answer so much. You know, do you see yourself as a trailblazer in the industry? Do you see yourself making room for folks to come behind you? And- I, well, I don't consider myself a trailblazer at all, but I definitely want people coming behind me. Um, I, Whenever I've been presented with the opportunity to help an up-and-coming author, it's easy for me to say yes to those people who have the work ethic and the vision and the desire to tell their stories. It's very easy for me to help those people. And I do. And I I belong to um, two different groups. And you know what? It's wonderful. It's so fascinating. And it's, and it's all female, which is interesting as well. Um, but it's, it, we're all about supporting one another and helping each other reach our own goals. And it's, it opens your eyes to how other people approach things and other skill sets that you may not have. And it's, it's so fantastic. I really highly recommend a, a community that you can meet with, even if it's just, you know, uh, virtually, um, and that's what we do. We meet virtually. And it's fantastic. We learn so much and we laugh a lot. And you know what it is? It's being understood, completely understood. When you come to a group of writers and you say something about the writing process that is if you're stuck or you're, something's stopping you, 
it's like you entered the middle of a conversation in another language and yeah, every single person there understood what you were saying. It's complete and total. That's my tribe. Those are the people that get it. And I think that's important to have for sure. Yes. I agree completely. Well, I can tell you, you may not see yourself as a trailblazer, but I can guarantee that some of these other writers are looking at you and looking at the books that you have put out and what you've done in, you know, a a very difficult to navigate industry and portion of the industry and saying, you know, look what she's managed. I bet I can do that. I hope so. I'd love to be able to inspire somebody. (laughs) And I hope I do. And I think that's just the the human thing to do is, you know, you should always be looking behind you to see if somebody else needs a hand up. Always. Because I didn't get here by myself. There was countless individuals that I turned to to guide me. And I think that 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 just keeps on cycling through and circling around and you need to, we all need to do that. You can't just look within. You have to look ahead and you have to look behind. Yeah. Very well said. Well, Tanya, tell us where can folks go to learn more about you and your work? So you can go to my website, which is tanyaewilliams.com. I have recently um, opened my own shop, and uh, it's it, you can find it from the link there at tanyaewilliams.com, but you can also go to store.tanyaewilliams.com if you want to go directly to the store. And I'm on Instagram. I think I'm under Tanya E. Williams Author. Uh, and I'm on Facebook. Facebook is usually a really good, thriving community, a lot of we chat back and forth a lot about what everybody's reading and, and my, my TBR list just continues to grow. Uh, I sure hope I get to take books with me when I die. Um, oh I'm going to need the time. Some time to get some reading done. Yep. <laughs> so I'm pretty available. Yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation as always. Thanks so much for for coming on and sharing your experiences. Thank you for having me. It's always wonderful to chat with you. Thanks to our listeners for hanging out with us today. I hope this conversation has inspired you to blaze your own trail in the publishing industry. If you'd like to watch these episodes on YouTube, you can grab that link at bluepinbooks.com slash modern publishing. And please leave us a review if you enjoyed this episode. That really helps us out. Happy writing, and I'll see y'all next time. Learn more about our team at bluepinbooks.com. Until next time, keep writing.